Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Final hour, Wednesday edition. OutKick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. If you're viewing on the stream, you can watch live at outkick.com. Also, uh, listening to this great radio station, we appreciate that. Tag us on social media at Outkick360 and just search us on podcasts wherever you download your audio. We hope you'll subscribe, rate, review, and share. Um, Great matchups this weekend for college. We're going to go in-depth on Tennessee and Alabama coming up in about 20 minutes. But let's start there with the headlines with Bryce Young, quarterback for Alabama. Nick Saban saying that, quote, hopefully we're going to try to get him ready to play this week, but this is something no one can predict how quickly he'll get an opportunity to do what he needs to do. Meaning the shoulder, how the thing about college versus pros, we're not getting the daily injury reports. We're not getting the participation reports. Um, I think people have a, a vibe or a feel for what they're hearing or what their sources are telling them. Will there ever come a day for those? Well, I mean, there's got to be some competitive advantage disadvantage you know the the nfl did it for gambling right it's also got to be a governing body that has a power to yeah. ask for him but then the the league also leans into the, the nfl leads into the idea that oh um you know competitive advantage disadvantage if a guy's out and you're trying to act like he's in you know and then you're you're you're, you're storing away a player on your practice squad or on your roster you're not, you get where i'm going yeah there. it's mainly for gambling though yeah to be on the up and but up. I mean, there's uh, there's as much of that now oh, for yeah. college as there is for pro. That's why well, the I difference would is call like, for it. the difference to what you said about the union. I mean, the NFL teams are underneath the same umbrella when it comes to injury status, how they go about uh, allowing media to watch practice for how long. Every individual Universal university rules. makes their own rule. Yeah, and so it's hard to govern that with a blank slate. At least if you had a conference rule, once the SEC and the Big Ten become the as big as they are, but I don't know that there'll be any kind I, of push for it. I found Saban's comments about Milrow more interesting than his comments on Bryce Young's status about the game against Texas A&M. Quote, he played with a lot of anxiety. I don't think he allowed himself to let his training sort of guide him and trust and believe in it so he can have success in executing plays. You can't turn the ball over and not execute plays like they're designed. So those things are all things we definitely have to improve on. When's the last time, <clears throat> I mean, with with what they've been doing at quarterback lately, I, I, I can't think of him talking about a quarterback playing with anxiety. Yeah. I, that, that's a sh- somewhat shocking word Well, they went through that me. stretch. Of, I, I mean, it's correct. I'm not saying he's, he's wrong yeah. by any means. But Jalen that's a Hurts, very to odd a thing. Yeah. Mac Jones. Those now guys Bryce were not Young. playing. I, I think with it also. Anxiety. I mean, maybe some of it has to do with anxiety. It also has to do with skill set. And while Jalen Milrow is a very talented guy, um, yeah, can't he's not it. a great passer. And you look at the numbers outside the numbers, and then the, when he throws inside on slants, it's way different. 
I mean, he's a guy who has to keep it in a 15 to 20 yard box right in front of him in his passing. That, that, he's not going to complete balls deep down the field. That plays into Tennessee, right? Yeah, he's not, oh, yeah. he's I mean, not that's Bryce a beautiful Young. Thing Absolutely. For Tennessee. Tennessee is second in the SEC against the run so far this year, and he's a running quarterback. They have not seen and a that's running back. spacing because Tennessee's corners are, are deficient. A well, deficiency. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that plays into any defense when you can't stretch the field, which they're just not really – they don't have the ability to do that without Bryce Young. Um, I think, though, it sets up very well for Tennessee if Milrow is playing this game and not Bryce Young defensively because it plays into every strength they have. Now, on the flip side, they've not seen a running back like Jameer Gibbs. That's right. He's far and away the best running back they're going to see. He reminds me of Alvin Kamara. When you see his ability both out of the backfield as a receiver, and he makes a guy miss and he's gone. He's got world class speed. So, this is going to be the best running back Tennessee's seen this year uh, to try to stop a rushing attack. But no, I think it lines up well for Tennessee if, if Bryce Young doesn't play. But I mean, I would say that about any good to great team on Alabama's schedule without Bryce yeah, Young. Yeah. That's no shock that, oh, the defending Heisman Trophy winner out for the game may mean that's an advantage for the other team. I would say that about Alabama against anyone without Bryce Young. But I also fully expect him, at least the way Saban has framed it, that this is a pain tolerance issue and not necessarily a he's going to damage it worse issue. I feel like he's going to come back and play this week, if that's the case. Yeah, because you can't... If one extra week is going to benefit him, you can't risk that for the rest of the season if you can re-injure it or extend the process of recovery right that's the only reason you would hold him out particularly if when we've seen the, he plays. Uh, particularly when you've seen the the difference between he and the backup right L- like if the backup was yeah somewhat I, I comparable think, i think the backup's only going to get better so by the end of the year he's probably going to be just fine he's another five-star guy well and chad think but, about this but i also think that um Bama is due a – we talked about this earlier in the week, Hutton, about this game or any game coming up. Bama's due a Bama performance at some point and not the Bama performance we've seen lately. Right. I thought they were on their way to having that against Arkansas when they get up 28-0. Yeah, they haven't had it and since Georgia. And they almost blew the that entire lead. SEC championship Right. Game. They haven't had that, oh, this is the Bama we know well, under Nick Saban. They haven't had that in a while. But think about the, the thought that the, the mechanics that go into a game plan for Texas A&M. Right? You need the week off. For Bryce Young, okay. Defensive mentality. You're not worried about the A&M offense putting up more than 20. Like, let's just, like, whatever you want to set the mark at. Now you've got the number one offense that you're facing. Uh, quarterback, well, the whole thing. You've got multiple receiver options. You've got a, I mean, we saw it with Texas, Quinn Ewers. The game plan there was just to press the secondary. Throw as many deep balls as you can. You're going to hit on some of them. They did. And you're going to take advantage of those yards. Now, Texas only put up 19 points, but that was their game plan. You have the offense in in Knoxville that can press the issue with the passing attack. And if we were just putting an over under on what does the Bama offense need to put up if it's a back and forth ping pong match? What would you say, Chad? Versus what the the game plan would be for a Well, Bobby Carpenter really said think, 35 yeah, is his match. That I, might be true. I think probably on the low end, 30 is the target for both teams. I feel like there's always a game where we say that and it turns into well, see, a slugfest that, we weren't expecting. That but I me, think 30 is the, the barrier for both. So To have any chance in this game. That Yeah. So, But I think Tennessee can get there. 
right? And and I and I realize there's a formula to beat Bama, and they've been beating themselves in many areas. But you, even if you beat yourself against A and M, how threatened are you? They turned it over four times and missed two kicks and won the game. You can't do that against Tennessee. And if you're if you don't trust Milrow, and if it's a pain tolerance thing, is he playing? I think he plays because of how he's going to run the offense and not turn the football over. If it's purely a pain tolerance, not thing. turn the football. You're I not mean, giving I, I extra keep... possessions to an offense that can actually score. Also. I keep hearing this pain tolerance thing and pain tolerance thing, and I don't think Nick Saban's lying, but did you guys watch him jog onto the field the other night even when he knew he wasn't playing? His left arm doesn't move. He went dead. Well, I mean, no, I'm saying he's even, even on Saturday night, oh, I he's running like this, yeah. holding the other where his one other arm doesn't even move well, as he, as he runs. That's, that's not great. Now, if it's a pain tolerance issue, I fully expect, and we've seen Bryce Young, the fiery competitor, He's not going to sit out a game against another Heisman Trophy hopeful in a big SEC rivalry exactly. game if it's a pain tolerance issue. I, that's why I fully expect him to play. I think the bigger question is, even if he plays, how affected is he by the injury? Because we saw this with Hendon Hooker on Saturday against LSU. He got popped where he didn't see it coming. He was off for the next eight or nine minutes of game time. He came out there and he was yeah. missing throws so, he normally hits, and then he kind of settled himself and got it going again. But there's a time where I'm thinking he's not right after that hit. And people tend to underestimate the non-throwing shoulder. They go, "Oh, the non-throwing shoulder shouldn't be a problem. He's not throwing with it. it it's involved there. There's torque but, and stuff yeah, it, going involved, and, and you're getting hit on it. You're well, landing on. And it's not just the shoulder. I mean, it's the joint of the shoulder. And let's say you know, let's say he's not 100. percent Let's say. 80. 85. You know what? How much does that affect how much Bryce Young can press the secondary? And you take know, off, to, what, to what Chad's alluding to with Hendon Hooker after he took the he was off a bit. If you're off a bit, what does that mean for the turnover margin? There are a lot of things to think about. And he's not even if he if he's able to play, you're not practicing them that, that much this week, right? If it's no. a pain issue, probably not. It's an interesting scenario. I. I it's not so. It's it's multiple scenarios we're talking about here. What is Jalen Milrow against Tennessee? What does that matchup look like? And what does one game do for him? W- one game, yeah, but also one, one full game as the starter. I don't expect him to turn the ball over the way he did against A and M consistently. That's probably going to get cleaned up. So, what does their team look like? What is their strategy with Jameer Gibbs being the focal point of their offense? If it's Milrow quarterback versus Bryce Young at a hundred percent. Bryce Young at 100% is Bama favored by eight and a half. Yes. Which Vegas said in the beginning. And that's I thought them last saying week was. Bryce Young on the road. That's, that's saying Bama's probably close to a two touchdown, 10 and a half, 11 point favorite at home but I, see, against Tennessee with Bryce seven, Young. But, but down to seven and a half because there's still some doubts about Bryce I think, Young. I think therein lies, though, the confidence level from Vegas, which we'll get into the Vegas rankings later this week. And. Uh, the, the confidence level in the Vols compared to the, the A&M. And my point being, we kind of... 24-point line. 24-point line with Milrow making his first career start as a redshirt freshman. Knowing it was Milrow. No, yeah, for the, for the most part. Yeah. And I said last week, maybe this line is because they think they think They know something about Bryce Young that we don't know. And, and then I thought, well, no, they knew all along he wasn't going to play, and they still favored them by 24 against A&M. Bam is still favored by, it opened at, what, eight and a half, eight? I think it was Saturday eight or eight night. and a half, and now it's seven what, and a half. But even then, you're coming off a, uh, he fumbled twice, 
threw one pick. They turned it over four times total, and you think they're still favored on the road by eight and a half at the opening line. Um, there's still confidence level in Bama, but not nearly to the same extent as their SEC West foe a week so ago. So here, here's that, my that Milrow That is very question. telling to me. Yeah. If Milrow's the guy, we know Gibbs, Gibbs is averaging 8.3 yards a carry. Vols are only allowing 2.8 yards a carry. But they were you, great against LSU. But, yeah. but when you game. throw a running quarterback into the mix, it's a, it's a different ingredient. So how have the Vols been against mobile quarterbacks, and how much does that change this run defense dynamic? So this year they've been great against running quarterbacks. Uh, I'm taking the Akron game out. Akron's got a very mobile running quarterback, but he was injured the week before, so he didn't even try to run in the game. And obviously they destroyed Akron but every way Richardson. possible. But I take that out. Anthony Handled Richardson, Richardson, their game plan, which is what we said all week, hey, don't let him beat you with his legs. Make him prove he can throw it. He threw it. I'm not seeing anything close to what Anthony Richardson did against Tennessee since then. He was not very good against Missouri. He has not shown that ability to drop it in a bucket a couple times the way he did against Tennessee. I mean, full marks. He, Tennessee, the game plan was to make him throw it. He threw it well in that game. But they stopped him running. Jaden Daniels stopped him running in this game. Did not let him out of the pocket. I mean, they sacked him five times also, and I think at seven other pressures yeah. in the game or hit. So they, they were all over him. And that's a bad offensive line for LSU. Now you get a really good offensive line for Bama that's going to protect Milrow better. But, Paul, I like Tennessee's defensive matchup if it's Milrow. I mean, there's not a lot that I look at and think, oh, well, Alabama's going to do whatever they want against this Tennessee defense because it lines up with what they well, want to do. Part of it's because he's one dimension. And you don't have Jamison uh, Williams. You don't have uh, Jalen Waddell. You know, it's not that you don't have those threats that are going to help out the quarterback in many areas. The receiving core, the same while way. talented, is not the same. It, it is not something that you fear. The way, quite frankly, I think you should fear Tennessee's receivers right now. But namely, Hyatt yeah. and Brew McCoy, yeah. oh. who have big playability well, more so than Alabama's got. So, I mean, the number last year, Hooker threw for 282 against him with three touchdowns, but more than half of the yardage was Tillman. Yeah, that, Seven for 152. That's a, blow. that's a blow if he doesn't play. Jalen Hyatt, though, last four weeks, 25 catches, 360 yards, four touchdowns. If he's, that dude shows up. Doing his share. And those guys are so different. I, I think McCoy and Tillman are similar in size, stature, speed. But, I mean, Jalen Hyatt is a tall, long kid that's extremely fast. That's a slot. Yep. You know, if they can get uh, Squirrel White more involved, which you're starting to see him get a few more touches each week, he's a five foot seven freshman dynamo. That's the fastest guy on the field whenever he's on the field. That's a different change of pace. There's a lot to like with Tennessee's re- receiving core. But, again, there's a reason Vegas opened it at eight and a half because if Bryce Young plays – Bama's the more talented team, well, top to bottom. There's but, no there's no disputing that. Just depth, talent, defense, the offense. Depth. Bama's the more talented team. I think if you if you're predicting Tennessee to win this game, what you are saying is Tennessee's offensive system is superior to what Alabama's going to do offensively with their system and they're just going to win a shootout at home. And it's the in, moment in a, in a tough environment. And the moment. And the, you, the moment's not going to be too big for Tennessee. Well, Which I that's think what the I'm first saying. Time it's, in a while. It, you know, it's been however many years. It's a home game. They're both top ten teams. They're they're able to stand toe to toe with them. Not too big. All of that stuff. Where things you can get things rolling in your favor a little bit, and you're not going to be thinking, 
oh, they're, they're definitely coming back or, or we can't withstand. They've got a punch that we won't be able to withstand or stuff like that. They, they can handle the moment. Uh, they Just, got a coach who's not scared too. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't we're, coach and we're gonna we're gonna dive into that element with with Josh Heupel. Uh, just two quick notes on quarterbacks in the SEC. Uh, KJ Jefferson expected to play this week against BYU. Arkansas is on the road at BYU. Great setting. Um, weird game. Weird uh, game. Uh, Mid October. Yeah. SEC team at BYU is just odd to me. That's that it's not a September game. It's it's good it, change up. Trending towards him being back in the lineup. They need him desperately. They're a completely different team without him yes. quarterback. And Will Levis is back at practice. It sounds like he's he's back after missing one game against South Carolina. They also as as much as we uh, you know want to see more from Will Levis. Just when you think you, you've seen a, a, a malaise over the Kentucky offense at times with him at quarterback, pick him out and then put, him, put that South Carolina defense on the field and well, see what happens. So what did I say last week about, oh. you know, I said Will Levis isn't very good. I don't understand his number one pick. But if South Carolina goes in there and beats him easily, maybe Will Levis <laughs> is the number one pick. Well, they did. Sharon, the backup quarterback yeah. for Kentucky, is not good. I, I, Kentucky's got an offense problem. Their offense is not very good. I mean, we can well, brag about and Rodriguez uh, ran it okay. Liam Cohen from a year ago, and then this guy Scarangelo yep. this year from San Francisco. I, I don't see where they're getting a lot done offensively. Whoever's in at quarterback, and to have Shane Beamer come up there oh, with two losses already, with the sunglasses, and troll troll Mark Stoops after the game because Mark Stoops had that SEC media days. We're about true culture, not putting on funny sunglasses and dancing around. And this is right after a viral video of Shane Beamer doing it. And what does he do? Hey, someone said something about me <laughs> wearing sunglasses. Cue the music. Cue the music. And he does it after the game in that locker room. That was, that was insult to injury for Kentucky fans. I'll also say, but Shane Beamer, you know, there was talk all offseason that they were going to be on the, the upswing, right? Like they're... How much of last year can they ride momentum-wise off the win he against was Carolina? Co-national coach of the year yeah. with Josh Heupel yes, last year, yes. a year ago. Shane Beamer and Josh Heupel but, shared that award. You know, you're also thinking here like Will Levis is not playing in this game. Sorry, not coach of the year, first year coach first of the year. Coach of the year. Yeah. Uh, Will Levis is not playing in this game. The offense, uh, even with him, is not that good. Go on the road and, and win. They did. You know, they did what they were supposed to do, and it wasn't like some flukish game by them either. Well, here's South Carolina. Also, they got a good shot at going to seven and two. I think they're now four and two on the season or three and two, but they get A and M, which is a very winnable game for them in Columbia. Then it's Missouri and Vandy, so they've got a good shot. I believe they're four and two right now, but they got a good shot at getting to seven and two on the season before they have that stretch of. I know they they host Tennessee in November. Uh, the games get tougher after that, and of course they close every year with Clemson, which is never easy non-conference, but. I mean, that's a good recovery. I remember Shane Beamer getting mad at the reporter when they lost to Arkansas, I think it was, to lose two games. About keeping the locker room going or, or Georgia, whatever. maybe. And he said, the how, do you, how do you keep the locker room together? You know, you have two losses now. Our guys just not are going to give up. And he said, it's two losses. We got a lot of season left. We're, we're going to be fine. We're not going to give up on the season. Coming up, we have our first real in-depth discussion about the matchups between Tennessee and Alabama. Where do the Vols actually have an advantage against the Crimson Tide? And we'll discuss the Josh Heupel impact on the Vols program. That's next on Now Kick 360.
What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Third Saturday in October, Tennessee and Alabama this Saturday. OutKick 360 will be broadcasting live from Cool Beans. Uh, in Knoxville on Friday, and that leads into Saturday's coverage. We've got you covered on that. Trey Wallace, um, Glenn Gilbo, and more at OutKick.com. It's going to be a fun weekend. If you're in the Knoxville area, uh, Alabama or Tennessee-wise, uh, fan-wise, join us at Cool Beans. We'll be there live from 3 to 6 Eastern. Cool Beans for those that do not know. For those that know, you know. For those that do not know, it is a Knoxville staple. I've never been. Classic place. I've it never is, been. And I mean, it is Chad, as close thoughts. to campus as you can get for to be a, a private establishment. So, like, it's it's just a couple blocks down from Gus's Good Time oh, Daily. Yeah. Yeah, that show people me, have heard of. me Gus's. But the, it is on, I mean, it's on campus. I, it's hard to explain. It's behind the strip, which is Cumberland Avenue, and it is right there on, you could walk up a hill from Cool Beans to my freshman dorm. This is Tennessee's which is a version of Phi Kern, is what you're telling me, on the Tuscaloosa. If Phi Kern was a private business, which we know they'll never incorporate, <laughs> right. Phi Kern can incorporate because it would, it would break many, many state and, that, and federal laws. But if it did, it would be the exact same thing. It's the equivalent of that. But, I mean, it's right there on campus. Great spot on Friday. We're going to have a, a good time. Some special guests will be rolling by, so... If you're an Alabama fan or Tennessee fan or just a college football fan in town for the game or in Knoxville this Friday, come check us out. Come say hi at Cool Beans. Guess how many times Tennessee has punted, um, let's just say, over the last three weeks? Well, they did not punt a single time against Florida. I think they punted. Three games. I think they punted twice against LSU. Okay. That would be two. I'm doing the attic. Uh, and against Akron. I'm going to guess three times total. I'm going to guess three times total. They have punted four times. Four. Damn it, only Chad. two punts over the last two games. And that was both in this game because they punted zero times against Florida. So they're up 20 nothing um, at LSU. At the LSU 38, they decided to punt. And then they were up 30-7, to and they punted against LSU. Against Florida, the two fumbles ended drives, so they didn't punt. Uh, they basically scored on everything else until the final possession of that game. 
Um, offensive efficiency is through the roof with Josh Heupel's group. But it's not good and, for Hendon the brand. Hooker and everything else. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this going, okay, the difference in this game for me from last year is they have to answer one question. Can the Tennessee defense get two or three more stops than they did a year ago? Hutton, let me give Which you a stat. If they, if they for, do, for big games all they're year. pulling the upset. Let me give you a stat on that. Because T- let, let me go a step further with my point, though. I think they can stay toe-to-toe with anyone doing what they're doing and not having to answer that specific question, except for Alabama and Georgia. Those are the two. So it, in those matchups, to me, that's the number one question. And I know you've done some digging on the numbers, Chad, to either reassure me or uh, or try to flip me on my line of thinking where you you turn it, you have a fumble, you turn it over on downs or the defense is, can't get off the field. And all of a sudden a one possession game turns into a two possession game and you just can't catch up late in the fourth quarter. Shocking stat of the day. Stop rate percentage is a great indicator of defensive success. You know, we talk about yardage and points and this is a great, indicator of your defensive success rate, your your stop percentage. Yeah. Tennessee is 20th nationally. They're tied with NC State in stop rate percentage. That's a spot ahead of Georgia. Tennessee's defense is better than Georgia's defense statistically so far this season in stop rate percentage. Now, Bama is sixth nationally. Okay. So they are elite. And if you look at yardage points, uh, pass uh, passing defense, rushing defense, they're top 10. Bama is in everything, every category defensively. Tennessee is top 10 in rushing defense, not in passing defense. But keep this in mind, too. In games that have mattered, Tennessee is also the only team in America to have three top 25 wins so far. There's plenty with two. Tennessee has three. In those games, I'm taking out the other ones um, because they just dominated Ball State and Akron, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in those three other games, Florida, they could not stop them. Now, Florida got a lot of fourth downs, too. There were a lot of stops Very aggressive. that Florida then went for on fourth down and, and got it. And L- LSU tried to do the same thing but failed on fourth down. Three times they went for it and did not get any of them. Um, so Tennessee was not good against the pass against Florida. Gave up a lot of – and it was also they're up 17 and give up a couple scores and a ton of yards late yeah. when they're basically in a pre-event right. defense where they weren't very good at closing that game out, but they win the game. Um, against LSU, I really thought they were terrific throughout defensively. Did exactly what they needed to. I mean, they they hold them to 13 points, and one of those is a late touchdown when they're up, you know, 37 to seven at that point. So really good defensively in that game. Against Pitt, they started out horrifically against Keaton Slovis and Pitt. They're about to go down 17 nothing, and they get that interception in the back of the end zone by Trey Flowers, and the game started to turn for them. They end up taking a lead before halftime. Then they get the backup quarterback in the second half, and they dominate it. Their only problem was self-inflicted wounds giving Pitt great field position. Defense really shut down the backup quarterback, who then also was injured late in the game, but defense was good. I say all this just to say that what we think about Tennessee's defense needing to be just okay to win, I believe is correct in most games, like you said, Hutton, but there's a potential this defense may be better than okay. And if they're better than okay – they're dominating most of the teams left on their schedule, and they're going to be right there with Alabama and Georgia. I mean, if it's a good defense and a good defensive performance against those teams, they're going to have a puncher's chance with that offense to win. Last year, 
24 17 through three quarters. Yeah. Fourth quarter, 28 7 Bama for a 52 24 game. And it was a seven point game early in the fourth, Paul, and they had a fourth down right around midfield, Tennessee did, and they didn't get it. And then Bryce Young comes back out and they go up 14. Yeah. So that's the Bama letting you feel in it for, for a while. Well, they were in it. Yeah. It, it was just that you cannot. I feel like the mentality has changed now where Tennessee's trying to keep up there because they weren't stopping anyone. Right. Now the opponents are trying to keep up with them by yes. going for it on fourth yeah, down. So if your defensive philosophy that you just talked about holds true here, the game will not take a shape like, like that. And it, and it might, but you know the hope is if it does that your offense is countering to yes. where you're staying right there within arm's reach, at least a score, just like Tennessee was a year ago. Stay a score behind or within reach in the fourth quarter and you give yourself a chance. It just like Bama said, should not be. That was a game 52. that fell apart quick because Bama scored. Then Tennessee had to go for it because they're playing to win. They don't get it. Then Bama scores again. Now it's twenty-one points, and it falls apart. With quickly. either quarterback, Bama should not be scoring fifty-two. We talked about their weapons are not of the same no. caliber. No, no that they've question. had. It, it's not going the, into the, the only. 50s. The only it shouldn't be. Bama shouldn't be in the forties. No, no. Uh, well, the game could be. I mean, if Bama's in the 40s, Tennessee should be 38 or plus. Yeah. Like it, I also think if Bama's in the 40s, it's because they forced a couple fumbles. Right. And well, maybe scoop one up and, and run it back. Also, Something's going on. But yeah. also, their backfield took over. Yeah. That's the other thing. Is They have, they have an, another Gibbs. gear they can hit with Jameer Gibbs that Robinson was a, a good back, not a great back. We are used to seeing great running backs at Alabama. And Gibbs This guy's legit. So... The question is, is this like the hello, Jameer Gibbs, national media onslaught, or is this just your average run-of-the-mill run game in this game? I don't know. Tennessee's been good at the run defense, but he's, he's to me, the biggest challenge. And if you're – I'm, I'm saying this under the pretense that Young's not playing. If he's not playing, he's the one guy that worries me more than anyone. But also, yeah, he's, if he's you the keep them point. somewhat one-dimensional – if he's not hitting home runs, don't let him have 40-yard touchdown runs. If he's averaging 10 a clip, that's one thing. If he's averaging 10 a clip, but it's partly because he's running 50-yard touchdowns in, that's so, a different thing. Let me, let me toss something else out to you guys on this. One other thing about last year before we close yeah, the door yeah. on that game, uh, Tennessee was pretty good on first and second down. There were a lot of third and longs that Bama converted in that game. They're 15 for 20 on third down. Yeah, that included huge. two... Uh, two Bryce Young touchdown runs on yeah, third yes. down. There was like a third and goal downs. from the 17, if I remember correctly, where he got loose and ran in for a touchdown on just a scramble opportunity. And that's a lot of third he, downs. He was very effective with his legs. Hey, the biggest play of Bama's year so far was a Bryce Young scramble against Texas where he got out of trouble yeah. and put them in field goal range to kick that game-winning field goal to end that game. So let me let – me, Look at it from a different lens here. So this is this could be a Heisman showdown uh, if if Young plays. We're we're leaving a guy out though in Will Anderson. We should mention him too because you're also going to have Hendon Hooker against Will Anderson. And there was this massive push when he wasn't invited to New York. I'm not saying he's the front runner to win the Heisman. I'm not seeing that, and I'm, I wouldn't vote for him to win it. But there was this massive massive push to hey, why is he not in New York last year? Aiden Hutchinson's there. He's the runner. Where's Will? Where, this guy can dominate. He can take over games. He can also take over this game. Uh, I don't want to not mention him here. He can wreck 
some things where Tennessee's not prone to turn things over. Um, for the most part, Hendon Hooker uh, is aware of the pass rush, right, and can evade some things. He's mobile enough, and even he can just feel it. And there's the veteran savvy that Bobby Carpenter was was referring to. This guy's a different level. This guy's number one pick overall worthy, and he's playing for Alabama's front. That that's the other thing he's where a, he's he could a game be a wrecker. he could be a massive storyline. He's a if game in wrecker. fact Alabama comes in and covers. He's a game wrecker. And, and uh, Tennessee was great on Saturday. They were fortunate. They fumbled three times and recovered all three fumbles against LSU. One of them was where Hendon Hooker. Dylan Sampson's supposed to pick up a blitz, doesn't. He gets hit in the chest looking to his left, doesn't even see it coming, fumbles it, yeah. and Tennessee recovered it. Um, you're right about that. that. The when 50, that happens against Alabama, you're probably losing two of those three at least. And it could be a score the other way when Will Anderson gets a hold of you and they have a chance to make a play. Uh, this from Wes Rucker with, with a great stat on Tennessee's pass protection. This comes from 538. Tennessee is blitzed more than the national average, but they allow quarterback pressures on only 16.1% of dropbacks. That's second best nationally. Let's give some props to Tennessee's offensive line. Yes. Who's been very good so far this year uh, in giving Hinton Hooker some time. Healthy now? Uh, healthy, but also I don't. there was no big drop-off from Gerald Mincy to J.J. Crawford at left tackle. I mean, people talk about LSU being without their star left tackle with dehydration. Tennessee was out there starting left tackle in that game also, and there was no, no big drop-off. Offensive line, healthy. Hendon Hooker's got to run also. This is a game where he's got to be effective running it. Against Georgia, the same thing. Doesn't have to do that every game. But against the best teams on the schedule, we saw it against Florida when they had to score on every possession. Hendon Hooker got loose on some runs, and that's going to be a big factor in this game. It's been a big factor in their big win so far this season. Also, uh, also another X factor here, and... It's it's been a while since you can go into this game and and say this. Um, I don't feel like in, in, on one sideline you have the greatest college coach of all time. I don't feel like there's a big gap in coaching in this game. I don't think Tennessee gets out coached if it comes down to that. Um, and and Heupel's done nothing but produce. I haven't heard him. I've never heard him make an excuse. He took over a terrible roster. Or at least it was perceived terrible based on the the wins that we saw versus well, losses. They were like a, a bunch of I don't know the exact number, but a bunch of spots below the scholarship limit. I mean, yeah. they didn't have as many players as every other team has. And he's made it work. He he worked his system in. He's got a quarterback now that is very comfortable running that system. And you know, I, I, another year into what he's building, I don't I don't get the sense that the game plan that's put together on Monday for Saturday's kickoff is going to be so detrimental where Saban's got you before you even put the, the, the toe to the leather, so to speak. I, I remember this. Rick Bird, great college coach, Hall of Famer at Belmont, once told us this in an interview. He said that the best coaches in any sport, you can tell because their team takes on their personality. And I forget who he was talking about, but someone he was going up against said, I know this is a great coach because his teams always play like their coach and their personality. I can say the same about Josh Heupel in that this is a team that has taken on the personality of their coach, which is not scared, yeah. not, not an excuse maker, not someone that's going to go into it looking for someone to blame, going to let it rip. That, that's Tennessee's mentality. That's Josh Heupel's mentality. Uh, there's a great story at The Athletic from Joe Rexroad 
about Josh Heupel's history as a player and as a coach, and where after they had a tough season in his first year at Oklahoma, he immediately broke out the schedule and started telling teammates every which way they could go undefeated and win a national championship. And the teammates thought he was crazy when that happened. And what'd they do? In year two, under Bob Stoops, they won a national title with Josh Heupel as quarterback. And what happened when Hendon Hooker said, hey, I'm coming back for another year? Josh Heupel's first response was, well, then let's go to Atlanta. And here's how we're going to do it. He believes. I mean, that's not false bravado. People think that's crazy when you hear it. Well, look at where Tennessee is now. They could lose to Bama and beat Georgia and go to Atlanta. I mean, it's a possibility. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's how he thinks. He's not looking at the worst possible outcome. He's looking at the best possible outcome. I think another thing about Heupel is that he like very clearly knows who he is and is completely comfortable with it, doesn't try to do anything different. In that same story by Rex Road, Mike Leach said of him, the funniest thing about Josh is he's so not about fun that it makes it kind of fun. Yeah, that was a great So line. like he's not, you know, he just understands like he's not particularly fun. You can kind of see it on his face that he's not. But yeah. he doesn't like do fake fun, and out of not doing fake fun, it kind of becomes fun for the kids. Yeah, I mean he's and he just like lets that happen naturally. He's not. Yeah, he's a football guy. He, he said his he said his big hobby right now is playing golf with his oldest daughter, who's picked up golf. That's really well, so the, the only other, thing he has as a hobby. The other thing to keep in mind, and let's go back to last year when he took over. Within what three months, nil was available. Tennessee was one of the first to lean into that. And he was out front yeah. with it. You know, you didn't hear much Smart. about Rick Barnes. You heard it from Josh Heupel. Like, he was shouting it from a rooftop. So he's not about fun, but he's about you getting yours, you know. Which is fun. You're not detrimental to the program. Do whatever. That's fun. And you're winning come is in fun. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know. And he knows those There things. is momentum. Also, like, from, from – and, and I'm, this is, I'm really intrigued with the matchup this year because Saban's had a year now to see it. And now it's the defensive system of Alabama who Hypel forces you to defend him differently than other offenses around the country, even for college offenses. So what's Saban's adjustment to what he's learned over the offseason for a matchup like this, knowing that, and we saw it from Texas, if, if you're undermanned, you need to press the issue. Tennessee doesn't necessarily have to do that, but that's their offense. But they also don't abandon the run. So how do you defend both while taking advantage of what you've learned a season ago? And then Heupel's big thing with the game plan is slowing down the best pass rusher in the country in, in Will Anderson. That, that is the matchup he's got to solve. If you want to look at a, a possible advantage for Alabama defensively against Tennessee's offense, a year ago there were some busts in that game. Uh, I remember one time Tillman got wide open because someone there was a bust, coverage bust. Um, probably not going to happen for a second straight year for an Alabama defense, right? They'll adjust, and they're not going to make the same mistake. Tennessee normally has big games through the air because their receivers normally win one-on-one. They've got a quarterback that knows where to put the ball, and those receivers go up and fight for it and get the ball. They win one-on-ones. This is an Alabama team that is equipped to win the one-on-ones outside. They're not afraid to go, go man, Right. And let it rip also, and we've got every bit as much toughness, and we can get after it too, and we're going to win some of these one-on-ones against your receiver. So that's one area I would say where Josh Heupel's offense, it's, it's, a, it's a math equation. 
I mean, he's sending a guy in motion to see if you're in zone or man, and then it's the quarterback reading the box, and if there's a certain number there, he's going to run it. If not, they know exactly where they're going to pass it and what they're going to do. It's always getting the advantage numbers-wise against the defense, and when it's one-on-one, being willing to what? Let it rip. Let it rip. Throw it deep down the field and let your receiver go get it. Alabama, though, is way more equipped than anyone they've played to go – and, and get the ball. And that's that's we can come back and discuss this too. And it's certainly a storyline for Thursday and Friday. Tillman's status. Because with Tillman, so the man coverage from Bama, how do you get the matchup to where you have the advantage on the third option against their third best cover guy? And not number one versus number one. And is Tennessee's third receiver, just to say Jalen Hyatt. Well, let's say Ramel Keaton. Okay. If, if there's no Tillman. Okay. Uh, is he winning a one-on-one matchup based on what they've found on film? There are really small storylines here where you've got a really good defensive mind and a great head coach on the Alabama sideline, and you have Heupel's offense and how he schemes guys open, so wide open that it looks like a bust defensively, but he has set this up during the week. And he sets it up over the course of a game. Yeah, I mean, everything he does is set up to get you looking one way, and then boom, that's when they hit it. And, and they know and they're going to get someone wide open down the field. He doesn't make mistakes, you know, turning it over. He doesn't put it in harm's way. They've had the bounces go their way when they have fumbled. Point being, if they, it, if it just comes down to X's and O's, I'm fascinated by it. it, it, it even if we don't have Tillman in the lineup. Well, so, uh, because we've seen Heupel have success doing it even without Tillman in the lineup. But not against Bama. Right. But that's what, <laughs> so that's my, what makes my response it so great. To it's what number three versus number six. Yeah, my response to what you're saying is, Man, Tennessee really needs Tillman in this game. Yes. Because then you've got uh, at all time three receivers on the field that you would feel very good about going against anyone. Right. In Bama secondary. I would go I'd go up top to Hyatt, Brew McCoy, or Cedric Tillman and feel good about that matchup. But taking Tillman out, who's their best one on one go up and get it guy, that changes the matchup dilemma. And you don't and have it, a, it, it shifts more in the favor of Alabama. And there's at that not point. a tight end option like Tennessee would Kind of have. And what he said know. about Tillman indicates we're not feeling it. Yeah, he said Tillman. What, what he said he, he won't be out there unless he's 100%. Yeah, I, I don't like that quote. He said he's only playing if he's 100%, which tells me probably not going to be 100%. That's from the head coach's mouth. So, not good. Coming up, more thoughts on Tennessee-Bama. We'll get you ready for tonight's games. We'll, we're going to do a quick search to find out if Atlanta even knows when they're throwing out the first pitch. I think we have an answer Braves on that. Braves and Phillies. Okay, we've we got a 15-minute window they're saying they're going to start. Oh, good. We at least There's have a 15 approximation here. Yeah. Uh, that's next on Now Kick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we think we know when the Braves are playing the Phillies in game two, Chad. Yeah, so the report from the Braves was its first pitch is set for sometime between 7.30 Eastern and 7.45 Eastern. That's what we know. When was first pitch supposed to be? 3.35. That's a lot of sitting and waiting. 4.35 Eastern, 3.35 Central. Batteries doing some business. Can you imagine waiting to get in? 
and what you're going to do and if the game's going to be played and I, if you can't be there tomorrow or whatever. Man, I'd feel real bad if uh, you know the Phillies had to scratch Zach Wheeler <laughs> from this start simply because no, he's, he's out of his routine now and there's been some cramping up. He's fine. Your there's some tightness in his up. shoulder right now and he's not ready to go. I just feel awful about that. Your guy's cramping up. I might watch this game a little bit. It is always interesting how they, the pitchers talk about any when you're thrown out of your routine at all on the day of your start. You know, with the delay or yes. however, like what they do to get it going again. If you've started into the routine to get ready for the start and then you have to stop for weather, games postponed. Garrett Cole had that last night. He took a shot at Nick Switcher kind of casually, but I think there was a game late in the season. Maybe it was when they honored Jeter. And uh, he said last night he was asked about the emotions and all that stuff before the game. And he said, uh, yeah, you know, I didn't need to be out there for Nick Swisher running around. Because they had pregame festival stuff last night, and he just stayed oh. away from all of that stuff. Because the delicate genius pitcher thing, you know, you can't have any alteration to your point to your routine. It's a little much for me. Just, in, you know, if it changes a little bit, it changes a little bit. Get out there and throw a baseball. There was a game late in the regular season on Sunday Night Baseball where it was A-Rod. No, it wasn't the A-Rod, Michael K. It was David Cohn. I think it was on there. And they're talking to Adam Wainwright getting ready for a start. Mm. And, of course, he's a legend in right. St. Louis, and this is his final. But him talking about, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get about five good pitches in right now. And he's, like, mic'd up as he's pitching in the bullpen. He's like, all right, that felt good. You hear that zip, boys? That was good. I want to hear that zip one time. I like that. And now at my age, he said it's more about this, this, and this to get ready. And I'm not overly concerned about it. And then he's walking out to the mound as they're announcing him. And the game's about to start. And he's like, all right, guys, I got to go. And then he t- takes off the mic and hands it back to whoever's following him. I love that. It was really, That's really That's the kind well of thing baseball needs my music. More. But it was so inside of him talking about what he's looking for. And David Cohn having the, knowing what questions to ask. All right, now what's your routine here? When did you start earlier today? Okay, I'm going to get five or six good ones in. I want three of them to be strikes or located where I want. And then he's walking to the mound. It's really cool. Uh, the there's a chance that the the Seahawks game could be pushed back because of the playoffs. Push back 90 minutes to uh, from a late afternoon start if the Mariners are hosting Game Four on Sunday. We will be hosting the show tomorrow. Paul's off to visit family on the bye week, and uh, have fun, Chief. We're Overdue. in town tomorrow, Thanks. Knoxville at Cool Beans on Friday. Good trip. Join us for Thank college you. football and NFL discussion on Outkick 360. Don't block the box. Be sure to lock your locks. Shh, <laughs>